The Knicks' stretch of dominant basketball, never missing a three-pointer, came to an abrupt end last night in Minnesota. We'll tell you why and if there's any reason to be concerned going forward next on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. And this episode is brought to you by PrizePix, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepix.com, just locked on NBA, and use code all lowercase locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. And I want to thank you for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day because we're now available on all platforms. So be sure to check us out on YouTube, follow and subscribe so you never miss an episode. I guess those two are the same thing. Hit the notifications bell because then you're subscribed and you get reminders that will annoy you only a little bit. Um, and be sure to do the same on the podcast side of things. And then if you want to take things to the next level, um, subscribe to our subtext where you will get texts from Alex and I giving you our thoughts before and after every Knicks game, um, whenever any news breaks and, and just intermittently throughout the day and throughout the week. And you can text us any single question you have. That link is in the episode description. But who's talking to him? Gavin Shaw, um, a play-by-play broadcaster covering uh, the Long Island Championship this week. And they're heading up to Syracuse to cover the uh, high school New York State Championship. So you can tune into that. On the NFHS Network, you can check out all my partner, Alex Wolf's work over at the Strickland at the Strick.land. Great website that he runs covering the New York Knicks. Um, and yeah, this was a bummer way to end the road trip for the New York Knicks. Um, I think it was their sixth game in eight nights, uh, certainly uh, third in four nights. And uh, the Knicks played like it against one of the best defenses in basketball. And I'm I'm going to start off um, doing a rare thing because it's a Knicks podcast. But I, I want to talk about Minnesota for a second because I, I hadn't gotten a chance to see them play very much this year. And uh, they are simply very, very good. Uh, Rudy Gobert is back to the maybe, maybe Draymond Green choking him out just, just unlock something. He went super saiyan. Um, he is back to the height of his powers, and he is uh, probably uh, right there with, uh, ironically, the guy who choked him. It could have been a monster situation in in Draymond as the best def- modern defender in basketball, and and you see. His impact. I mean, he he had just his fingerprints all over the the first half of this game, where the Knicks shot twenty percent worse than the Timberwolves did, and, and it wasn't. It, it's kind of what we always say, like what you should look for with Mitchell Robinson. It wasn't about the shots he blocked, or and it wasn't even totally about the shots he altered. It was about the shots that never got taken because he was stationed at the rim, and then just up and down their lineup, just ridiculous length and defensive ability. Obviously, um, Jalen McDaniels went out pretty early in this one with uh, what I think was an ankle injury um, or excuse me, Jaden McDaniels. I never get that one right. Um, went out early in this one, but still like they, they didn't miss a beat. Anthony Edwards, when he wants to be, as we saw um, with team USA, absolutely locked down. Like there was a play where Emmanuel quickly tried to go at him and, and just, just could not get an inch on Edwards. Uh, Towns is defending with more focus this year. And, even when he makes mistakes, there's just so much size around the rim. You don't really get much of a chance. And, and because of all that, this was a game that the Knicks really had to hit threes to to win. And, and it, it's safe to say they did not. Uh, nine for 38, uh, RJ and and uh, Jalen went a combined uh, six for 10 from three. Everyone else went three for uh, 23 uh, from three. Uh, so that's not that's not what you want. Um, 
And it was, it's kind of been the story of the next season so far, right? Either they're scalding hot from distance or, or they can't make a shot. And, and to be clear, Minnesota, I mean, they, they had great contest. They had a lot to do with it. And you saw a bunch of um, Emmanuel quickly and Dante DiVincenzo shots go halfway down and out. So look, if this was a hypothetical NBA final series, um, that would be great. But this, this brings up a bigger issue for me, right? Like this, this was my um, concern. And, and I talked about in the pod coming out of that Pelicans game, right? How do the Knicks look against teams that are just bigger and longer than they are across the board? Because that's the direction the whole NBA is going at this point. You look at you look at the Pelicans, right? And, and their idealized version of their starting lineup is, is CJ McCollum and then guys who are six, five to seven feet, essentially. And all of them are long and all of them with, I guess, I guess slightly the exception of Jonas Valanciunas and someone like Zion are good defenders. Pretty similar model in Minnesota, except like everyone in their lineup is, is a good defender outside of Mike Conley is I think still very solid. I'm sure he can be taken advantage of by someone like Jalen Brunson and cat in the wrong matchup could may, be made to look bad, but they're just not really obvious spots to attack. And even if you do attack the obvious spots, then Rudy Gobert is waiting for you at the rim. And are there solutions to that? I mean, the easy answer is not really right They're the, they're one of the three best defense in basketball. So no one really has great solutions to that, but you do have to have just shooting across the board. And the way the Knicks play, they inherently don't have that with Mitchell Robinson, right? So how can you compensate it? It's, it's the way the Knicks have compensated for the last two seasons, right? Great rebounding, low turnover rate, don't allow extra possessions on the other end. So basically great rebounds, great rebounding on both ends, low turnover rate, and, and an efficient shot profile. So if you're not going to shoot efficiently, Make sure you're getting up a bunch of threes. Make sure you're getting up a bunch of layups so your relative lack of efficiency doesn't hurt you as much. In the first half, the Knicks pulled that off. They only had one turnover. Um, they out-rebounded Minnesota by something like 10 in the first half. They were – I mean, Mitch, again, even against Gobert was – and it's, it's this is something I was going to say for later, but it, it, and we'll, we'll get into it more in depth later. But it always cool to see him play well against guys who are, who are kind of the archetypes for him, right? I, I referenced it when they played – the Hawks the other day and was saying, I mean, Clint Capella was, was the person that we always compared Mitch to and said, all right, this is, this is the idealized outcome. And then Rudy Gobert was like, all right, well, well, could he, could he be that good? And he's not there yet. I don't know if we'll ever quite get to that. Gobert, I think it's just a bit bigger and, and is just, is just brilliant in terms of his positioning, but Mitch is appro- approaching it. And, and he had moments in this game where, where he, um, made Gobert look small, which was a, a, a joy to see. Um, Gobert, Gobert also returned the favor a couple of different times. But um, I, I think another thing is just running creative offense. And we, we saw that in fits and spurts from the Knicks. Um, if, you, if you check out the uh, Talking Knicks show, Tom Piccolo tweeted out um, this great two-play sequence where one time Brunson just looped around the entire court trying to catch it on the left wing next play. Went to make that same cut, faked it. Mitch stepped up, set this great wide stance screen for him, and Brunson just popped out and, and hit a quick wing three. And I, I think it's going to push the bounds of of Tom Thibodeau and this this offensive staff's creativity against these teams. And if the Knicks um, see the Celtics in the playoffs, like that'll be a similar situation. You have to run great, great stuff against these teams. And it's not to say the Knicks don't. And we've we've been kind of highlighting on this show the Knicks have been running better stuff. But I think it's not concerning um, because it makes sense, but it, it's interesting to see how the Knicks passing, which I, I've talked about it every single turn. I mean, I spent all of last pod talking about um, in, in terms of how great they looked against the Hornets and the Wizards. 
it goes away a little bit against a team like Minnesota because you're not getting dribble penetration, then you're not creating rotations, and it doesn't matter how well-intentioned you are as passers. Um, those passes might not just might just not be available to you, and all of a sudden you, you start looking like a team that holds onto the ball a well. lot. Like Julius Randle, who's been by and large so unselfish and and again like spraying the ball, and you're like, wow, he lo- he looks like a hub out there during this seven and eight game stretch like that. That kind of went away tonight. So it's not to say like he he didn't he didn't throw some good passes or, or have some good moments, but he finished with just one assist in this one, and that was, that was partially the product of the Knicks missing shots off his dishes. It was partially the fact that he was over dribbling a lot because they're just like the Timberwolves didn't feel the need to double or, or triple him. And and I and, and you look back at that game against the Hornets, there were moments where there were four defenders around Randall. So those lanes that would otherwise be open um, against a lesser team just aren't necessarily there against Minnesota. And that, that's kind of an open question. If the Knicks can create rotations against a defense, that's as good as this one. Um, part of it also is just is tired legs. Like I mentioned, I mentioned the three and four thing and, and, and then traveling all the way to Minnesota and you get out there and it's, it's freezing cold and, and you have a team at home with, with honestly like a great crowd that I think is well aware of the fact that this is going to be the best team they've had since Kevin Garnett's MVP season in, in 2004, where I think they were the one seat in the West. Um, that's that's a fine year for me. That was my first year really getting into the NBA. But I, I think you saw a tired team and some of the cuts that were being made, some of the extra effort plays that were being made offensively. There, there were still attempts to get there, but they didn't they didn't quite do it um, to the same extent. And that's that's totally fine. Um, and then the other big thing is guys like RJ and Grimes are still getting their footing back. Um, so how did they look? Um, what do they need to improve on? How did Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle still have really great stretches of play in this one? We are going to talk about all that in just a sec. Um, but before we do, um, I wanted to tell you guys, um, you know the drill, about our good friends over at FanDuel Sportsbook. You can score early uh, this NBA season and about halfway through this NFL season with FanDuel. America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. I'm going to say that one more time for the people in the back. Any winning $5 money line bet nets you $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. Um, the one I'm looking at is NBA finals odds. Your New York Knicks are just plus 4,600. So you, I would put, let me, let me, let me delineate some money for you guys. Um, throw 10 bucks down on the Knicks winning. Throw like 50 on the Timberwolves winning. Because man, they, they have the defense for it. They're plus 2,800 and throw like, I don't know, maybe, maybe like 12 bucks on the Oklahoma city thunder plus 6,500 have the third best scored margin in the NBA right now and rank pretty high in my power rankings. All right. And we wanted to remind you guys one final time, visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NBA season. Continue enjoying the NFL season because FanDuel is the official partner of the NFL. All right. Uh, let's, let's go through everyone real quick. Um, we're just, we're just going to top of the box score to bottom of the box score. So Julius Randle, 21 points, 14 rebounds, 6 of 16 from the field, 1 of 6 from 3, 8 of 12 from the line. Um, it was a not a great start for him in this one. He was he well, he did he did hit his first three again, which I'm I, I at some point this year when you know maybe this is a good time to do it because except 
three days off now. Um, I need to go back starting last year and track his shooting percentage on his first three of every game. I'm going to guess it's somewhere around like 45% um, because it just seems like it goes in every single time. So that was nice. Um, from there, he over dribbled a little bit, was was quiet for a long stretch in the first quarter. And again, Gobert was, was by and large deterring him from shooting. Um, but third quarter or actually no, halfway through the second is when this happened. Um, he had this great stretch where Rudy Gobert was out of the game and it was nice to see that, that he recognized it. And he, and for someone who, I mean, obviously Randall is, is rarely shy to shoot, but I noticed that it's not always timed up correctly and it's almost random when he gets aggressive. This time he had a great sense of the moment and was like, all right, this is my time to shine. It was just bulldozing his way through multiple guys on Minnesota. Uh, there was one play where it, like, it, I think it was the early third quarter. He had it in transition, recognized Mike Conley, probably had Rudy Gobert, uh, or it's not Rudy Gobert, probably had Mitchell Robinson available for a lob and said, no, 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 I got this. In and out has he right by Conley, straight to the rim for a dunk. That was awesome to see. I love that he got 14 rebounds and against the team in like what was kind of a quintessential big boy game. Um, not all of them. Some of them were in garbage time. Not all of them were, were like kind of like earned, like meaningful rebounds, but 14 is 14. That's a great number. All right. Uh, Mitchell Robinson, we said we'd highlight him. 10 points, 11 rebounds, two steals, two blocks. I'm not quite sure what it means. Again, you can only read so much in a single game plus minus, but did have the best plus minus of anyone in the Knicks starting lineup. Um, absolutely toasted Gobert on a little in and out dribble to beat him to the rim uh, for a dunk. Uh, that was awesome. Uh, we'd love to see that once a game, but we'll we'll, we'll take it once every 20 games or so. Um, he bullied Gobert on the class early and just just was he was he was just he was just bigger, stronger, getting to the boards. Um, he had the sick help side block on Carl Anthony Towns early in the third quarter, or excuse me, late in the second quarter that led to an RJ Barrett three. Um, so some good moments for Mitch. Um, definitely moments where Gobert got going in transition. That was Less so on Mitchell Robinson, less so on Isaiah Hardenstein, and more on the fact that the Knicks um, were getting beat off the dribble and, and Grimes, um, especially in the third quarter, but even even sometimes earlier, um, just couldn't totally contain Anthony Edwards. Um, and and it, it led to Gobert just getting easy layup after easy layup. Man, Mike, Mike Conley, um, that, that was the trade of the year last season for me, or the trade for this year from last year for Minnesota, getting Mike Conley in there because he, he just he just made Rudy Gobert's life so much easier. All right, Jalen Brunson. Um, Solid statistical night, 25 points, six assists, four rebounds. Did it on 15 shots. Again, shot well from three, eight for eight from the line. You, you cannot complain about uh, that box score. Um, my only issue is when Ant was really cooking the Knicks at the start of the uh, third quarter where Minnesota essentially just went on a 9-0. It um, wasn't essentially. They did. They did. Or I think it might have ended up being 11-0 run. To start the third, I mean, when the Knicks were, again, inexplicably, despite getting totally outplayed, were in the game at halftime, were down 61-58, the Minnesota just put it away um, right away to start the third, I would have, that would have been the moment for Jalen Brunson to go on a scoring binge and say, no, absolutely not. We were not losing this game. Third and four nights, like, I am putting us on our back and I'm going to lead us to a victory or or even a close loss. And, and that would have been, like, again, preseason I was coming on here and saying, Jalen Brunson was going to finish top five in MVP. Now that was, that was always, always going to be a bold prediction, but if he's going to be that dude, like that's what you need to see out of him in these types of games, like 35 point, 12 assists, monster, monster night. Instead, he was, he was good. He was really good at points. He wasn't great in this game. And that's okay. And that's okay. But that's the next step for him. If he's going to take it, RJ Barrett, um, 
not great from him. Um, nice to see him shoot well from three again, three for four from there. Um, but that meant he was just one for nine from two point range in this game. And it looked like it. If you were watching the game, he missed two uh, literally point blank layups. Um, he had a wide open elbow jumper that just barely skimmed the rim. Probably just getting his footing back. I would I would watch and continue to watch to see if his knee is an issue. Obviously, that was a problem early in the season, and there were there were some rumblings that 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 was kind of a a bigger concern for the Knicks. And then he was mysteriously out for about a week with a with a migraine, and, and you wonder if that was his knee acting up again. Um, so just something to monitor. Probably not that, but if he. If he doesn't start turning things around and looking a little bit more explosive and a little bit more like how he looked in the early season um, in the next couple games or so, then that is something to watch uh, going forward. But again, nothing, nothing super duper concerning for RJ um, had some good moments in this game. Like went right through um, after starting off really cold from the field, went right through to kill Alexander Walker for a transition layup. Um, his shot looks really good. I love the minutes with him and DiVincenzo. DiVincenzo, this great drive where he where he's like just spurted to the rim, drew three, and just slung it back out to RJ um, for three. Um, had a really nice play to end the Timberwolves run to open the second half where he went behind the back or just to toast Anthony Edwards, who who has, has made it clear over the years he has zero respect for RJ Barrett. And, and now maybe a little bit more after Team Canada. Knocked off Team USA at the World Cup, but went behind his back, beat Ant, uh, and, and then go like baited Gobert, slipped it under him to Mitch for a dunk. That was that was a great play. All right, um, Emmanuel quickly is the last guy I really, uh, you know, we we'll, we should we'll mention Quinn Grimes real quick, but Emmanuel quickly is the last guy I really want to spend some time on after a great weekend, a amazing performance against the Wizards. Just didn't have it, 15 points, but it was it was basically all free throws, four for 14 from the field, one for seven from three, had about four or five different threes that that were literally halfway down and out. So you know what? That happens. Like, guys have off nights. Um, I, I think my bigger concern was just that he didn't get a lot of clean looks against his Minnesota team. And that's that's what I'm going to watch for Emmanuel quickly this entire year. Again, like I've, I brought up before the idea of him wanting to be a $25 million man. And, of course, that does not mean the same thing in today's NBA that it meant five years ago. And, of course, R.J. Barrett makes that kind of money, and it's, it's still – very fair to argue that quickly is the better player of the two. So I'm not, I'm not saying that to deny the man is bag, but I, I do bring that concept up to say like, how does he get shots off against defenses like this? Right. Because that, that is ultimately the concern. And, and to be clear, he had moments where, where he did get a lot of separation. And like when it was him versus Mike Conley, like Conley didn't have an answer for him. But it was him when it was Anthony Edwards, like he had a lot of trouble getting an inch. And to be clear, like, I, I think there's a world where Edwards is, considered by the end of the season one of the three or four best point of attack defenders in the NBA. Um, so it makes sense that quickly would have his issues with him. But I, I just want to see him find ways, whether whether it's by scheme or or by his own ability to generate clean looks, because there were a lot of like, all right, I am just going to take a fadeaway at the end of the shot clock. I am going to take a three, like sailing out of bounds, because that's that is simply the best shot I can get right now. And that is going to hurt the Knicks come playoff time. And if, and if you're looking for um, like a variable, I'm like, all right, why doesn't Emmanuel quickly play well in the playoffs? Why hasn't he so far in his career? Like that's like locked in bigger defenders give him some trouble. And he also has games like he did against the Celtics where they had a team full of those guys and he 
absolutely torch them. But you just want to see that happening more consistently. Uh, Quentin Grimes, 0 for 6, 0 for 6 from 3. Ugly, ugly game from him. The biggest issue I have with Grimes right now, and and look, he had, he had his moments defensively in this game. Edwards absolutely was was silent in the first half. I think shot something like 2 for 7, only at 4 points. And that, that helped keep the Knicks in the game. And Grimes was certainly a big factor in those efforts. Um, but then Edwards just torched him to start the second half. And I say that to say, I, I want to see Quinn Grimes be able to impact games when his jumper isn't falling. And we haven't totally seen that this year. Like he doesn't, he doesn't have a second move. He's not winning off the dribble. He's not spraying the ball out. Like he does impact it in the sense that he brings great gravity to the table. And it's the same thing we talked about um, the Miami heat series last year, that he still, the Knicks were so much better when he was on the court. And, and even this year with his shooting, um, very inconsistent. The starting lineup coming into last night's game had a plus 17 net rating on the season. So whatever he's doing, it it is making a quiet impact. I want to see him be able to make a loud impact, even when the shot isn't falling. That means getting to the rim, drawing free throws, like um, moving off ball and, and creating open looks for other guys that way, like cutting to the rim for layups. And, and that is, again, a product of me just having high expectations for him. Um, I want to continue power rankings where the Knicks stand 14 games into the season and could they be considered if not a true blue NBA championship contender in the next year we'll get into that in just a sec but before we do I gotta tell you about our good friends over at prize picks so the logical first question you should be asking at home is, what is PrizePix? PrizePix is the largest daily fantasy sports DFS platform in North America. We are the easiest and most exciting way to play DFS. It's just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections and watch the winnings roll in. So my biggest concerns with these things in the past is that I'm just going against some dude who lives in his mom's basement, has all the time in the world, has a statistics degree from an MIT or a Caltech. And look, I'm... I think I'm good at math. I think I'm, I'm good at DFS. I'm not as good as those guys. I'm very realistic. I'm just never going to beat them. That's not an issue on prize picks. And with the basketball season here, they, they have a new offer. You can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the Specials League. It's a league created specifically for combo projections that include two or more players from different sports or leagues. For example, this weekend, I'm taking the over 4.5 on Emmanuel quickly made threes against the Phoenix Suns. And Tim Boyle interceptions thrown for the New York Jets. PrizePix even offers a reboot policy so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. For anyone who's ever played DFS with football before, one of your biggest concerns inherently is, all right, I, I mapped this out. I know this guy's going to do great. Oh, crap. He pulled his hamstring on the first play of the game. That's no longer an issue. For football and basketball games, if you have a player who exits the game in the first half and does not return the second, that player is rebooted. PrizePix is the only daily fantasy sports platform with an injury insurance policy. So go to prizepix.com. Just locked on NBA. Use code locked on NBA for first deposit match up to $100. Once again, go to prizepix.com. So it's locked on NBA. Use code locked on NBA for first deposit match up to $100. PrizePix, daily fantasy sports made easy. Okay, guys, NBA power ranking time. So um, this is kind of a loose conflation of the teams that I think at this point have the best chance to win a title and the ones that are playing the best basketball right now. So somewhere in the middle of that. Uh, number one, uh, the Boston Celtics, I I've said it every time the Knicks have played them, they are in a class of their own. 
I think if they don't suffer any injuries, it, it is a disgrace if they don't win an NBA championship this year. And based on recent history, they may just blow it again, but that team is fantastic. Um, great depth. Uh, KP is, is having the exact impact. I was kind of concerned he would ultimately have there and making them just unguardable in offense while providing about the same level of rim protection they've had in the past with Robert Williams. Um, so they, they're in their own tier. The Denver Nuggets, um, if fully healthy, are probably in that tier as well. Well-oiled machines, so much size, so much movement. There's not an answer out there in the NBA for Nikola Jokic. And, and if Boston were to lose, that might be the reason why, just because he is too good. He's the best player on earth, and he will continue to be the best player on earth. Third, uh, your Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, man, they really impressed me. Overwhelming defense, overwhelming size of the rim. They give Denver trouble. They beat Boston. I, I, I can't shake the end of that game out of my head where Anthony Edwards was just locking at a Jason locking up Jason Tatum and, and not giving him an inch. If he can play that kind of defense while maintaining his production offense throughout the postseason, and, and towns gets it together and shoots. Well, um, they could, they could beat anyone in any given series. Do I have faith that they can win four in a row? Not totally just because Edwards is so young and towns has never shown in the playoffs before. And Gobert has historically not had the same impact in the playoffs that he's had in the regular season. Um, the Milwaukee Bucks, on my fourth team, I have not been overly impressed with them this season. Um, granted, they've really turned around the last few games. And they're starting to beat bad teams by the margins. They should beat bad teams by, despite having two more wins than the Knicks, still have a worse scoring differential. Um, and when the Knicks played them, like it, it took Milwaukee shooting lights out from three. Julius Randle still playing like garbage um, for Milwaukee to come out ahead with the win. Granted, Jalen Brunson also absolutely went off. I'm fascinated to see how future games look between those two teams, but for now, I think you have to have the Bucs ahead of the Knicks just from a talent perspective and because they uh, clear-cut uh, whatever you think about Damian Lillard relative to Jalen Brunson at this point. I'm going to say still clear-cut. have the two best players on the floor in that kind of series. Uh, the Sixers, they've just been rock solid. Um, I think it was disappointing that they lost to Boston the other week uh, with Jalen Brown out. And they were missing Derek White. I want to say in that game, um, that, that was one the Sixers absolutely should have won. And it's concerning that it's like new coach, new look, new star guard in Tyrese Maxey, same old Sixers. So you, you want to see them win some big games. That being said, uh, they have been very good this year. They've taken care of business consistently. They're beating teams by what, like eight, eight and a half points per game. So far, they're beating teams by nine points per game this year. I mean, they've, they've been awesome. Um, there's, there's no, there's no really poking holes in that. Um, next. After the Sixers, I have one spot ahead of your New York Knicks, the Oklahoma City Thunder. Um, do I take the Thunder? Are true blue title contenders? No. But they're the third best scoring margin in the NBA. They're 10 and 4 this year. And at a certain point, you just have to give them their props. Um, they are extremely well-rounded. And if the Knicks are going to make an all-in move, I would make it sooner than later because I, I could see a world where in two or three years, there's no beating the Thunder because not only – are they currently awesome? They also have the ability to trade for basically anyone in the NBA whenever they want. So that combination is, is daunting. Um, and, and you just have to hope they cannot pay everyone in free agency, which uh, unfortunately for them due to the new cap is going to be a reality going forward to some extent or another. Um, and then I have the Knicks. And I think the reason I did this exercise was just to kind of put in my head where, where should the Knicks rank at this point? And, and we noted last pop, they won a four teams, or at least they were before the Timberwolves game, one of four teams in the NBA, top 10 in the NBA, and offense and defense. And, and should we be taking the Knicks more seriously as, as title contenders? 
And the answer is probably still no. It's probably a little bit early tonight. You just you need to see them do it against the Boston and, and do it against the Minnesota. But they're trending that way a little bit more. And they have the statistical profile of, of a dark horse one. So you just want to see how the next 10 to 15 games play out. And, and the Knicks play two really good teams this week in the Miami Heat, the Phoenix Suns. And I think I think that'll be telling with some time off some rested legs are those kind of the scrappy hard fought games that the Knicks would play against. I'm going to say similarly good teams a year ago, or could the Knicks come out on their home floor and win those games by 12 points? And and you, you're kind of looking and you're like, all right, what, what do we really have here with the New York Knicks and, and how good can they be? I think there, there are gaps there. And I think the Knicks playing at that tier is contingent on them having a somewhat uncharacteristically good shooting performance. And sure, the Knicks have been great from three this year, but I'm talking about Julius Randle, Quinn Grimes, RJ Barrett, Jalen Brunson, like three of those four guys basically shooting better than 50% from three. And that's how I think the Knicks get to looking like a title contender on any given night. And I just, I think the issue right now is there's no reasonable expectation that they can sustain that level of shooting into the playoffs but let's see if they can do it in the regular season. And that would be, that's kind of the next step for this team to beat those types of teams and to do it cleanly. And again, there are plenty of great teams that play a heat, play a suns and lose or win close. It's not about those particular teams or those particular games. It's just that you need to see that sometimes, right? You need to see that against some good teams, you can look demonstrably better than them. And the Knicks have kind of done that with bad teams this year where they, where they dominated those games in a way they wouldn't with the past in the past. Can they do it against really good teams? All right, I said the same thing three times. So we're going to wrap up this edition of the Lockdown Knicks podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Um, I'm not quite sure what we're going to do tonight, but I'm sure we'll come up with something. Um, until then, we'll talk to you very, very soon on Lockdown Knicks.